and welcome to another episode of the Burps Books Podcast. It is Thursday the 3rd of March, so if you are listening to this the day it comes out, happy World Book Day. If you are not listening to it the day that it comes out, I'm afraid you've missed out, and you have missed out, because I'm doing a special offer for today only, because why should the kids have all the fun? Use code WBD22, that's WBD22, at burtsbooks.co.uk today and you will get £1 off your purchase, just like the kids do. And you don't even have to dress up, how about that? I have got an awful lot on today. I have got to go and wait for the plumber again at the shop. I've also got to pack up the uh, office so I can move into the shop at some point in the next week or so. So uh, I'm going to leave it here for now. I'm going to leave it very short and I'm going to play you, instead of me telling you about a book that I've read, I'm going to play you an interview that I did last week with Zoe Somerville, the author of The Marsh House, which comes out today. It's all on the other side of this music. I am joined on this episode of the Burt's Books podcast by Zoe Somerville, author of The Marsh House, which by the time this episode goes out will be published, officially publication day. So uh, welcome Zoe, congratulations on uh, on your second. Thank you, thank you. Very excited. Uh, I bet. How does it feel coming up to, to publication day? Yeah, I was just saying, wasn't I, before we started recording that um, I it's a very, very strange time because it's really exciting, obviously. Um, this is the second time I've done it, so um, I have a bit of a bit of understanding, whereas I didn't last time. But it's really nerve-wracking because obviously you're waiting to hear what people think about it. And most of the time, you do get a bit of an idea before publication because you get authors reading and um, some bookshops and have read it maybe or a couple of bloggers but not many people get to read a book before it's actually published so it's the majority comes after and often quite a few on the day actually (laughs) (laughs) so you know obviously it's a bit it's a bit scary yeah (laughs) and does it does it is there a bit more pressure with your second one I mean after the night of the flood was so well received does it feel different if this feels um yes it does feel different I mean there's two ways in which it's different first way is obviously debut is a completely different thing and there's something amazingly special about a debut because obviously you've never done it before it's your first ever book project that's incredibly exciting however I published in a um, pandemic uh, September 2020 it was a very weird time I mean this is still a weird time but um, it's different now and all the bookshops are open now and everything's a lot I can actually do in-person events and things like that whereas last time it was all a bit weird and a bit small and um, so it's a strange experience and I'll, I'll, I'll never know what it would have been like otherwise so but this time Um, It's actually a bit more exciting in a funny way because I'm just so, I don't know, I just feel a bit more, I don't know, I feel a bit more confident for one thing about being a writer and what that means and talking to people about my writing and the books, you know, I didn't have a clue last time really, you know, (laughs) and uh, it's such a weird experience, so you don't really get training and I had to talk to people about things. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's it's 
you know, as I said, real life events and things like that are going to be possible. So it just actually, I'm very, very excited. Pressure though, tell oh, me to, to be quiet. Just talk. <laughs> the pressure, the pressure is 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 more in a way because I um I I need this one to be well received as well because I want to get more books published and you have your you know you are um only as good as your last book etc etc so you know I have to so hopefully this will be okay and then I can you know it means I can carry on writing essentially which is the dream i.e getting published I'll <laughs> yeah. still write but it's the being published bit that you know I'd like to <laughs> so um why don't you tell us then a little bit about a yourself uh for anyone who doesn't know of you but also what the Marsh House is about Okay, well, myself, I'm, I think I'm less interesting than my books are, that's for sure. Um, but I'm from Norwich in Norfolk. And that is relevant, just because um, both of the books I've written so far, and actually the third one as well, are all set in Norfolk on the Norfolk coast. Um, I, I'm actually not from the coast, but I, that, you know, so I've been really inspired by the um, landscape, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And then I'm from there, but I haven't lived there since I was 18 years old when I left home. And I've lived in lots of different places. I've been a teacher for a long time, an English teacher, but I've taught English as a foreign language in places like Japan and so on. And then I became an English teacher, as in a secondary school English teacher when I was oh, in my 20s. And so I've taught in America and and the West Country. So I came to the West Country um, in my, oh, I can't remember now, early 30s and had kids here and all of that and very settled in Bath. So I am a bit of a split identity person and I've got my sort of West Country self and my Norfolk self um yeah that's me and then I've been writing for ages I did the Bath Spa Masters in a while ago 2015 <laughs> to 16 now I can remember and that was really amazing because that really put me on the path towards publication I think it may give me the confidence to sort of think of myself that I could possibly do this because it felt like an impossible dream before that actually so yeah teaching books not writing them before yeah. that <laughs> yeah oh the marsh house want me to tell you about that yes, yes. please right sorry i was like no, oh, that's no just it's all right i'm done no so the marsh house as i said yeah second book and actually that book um came about so i was i was researching um the first book which, um the night of the flood it's about a flood in the 1950s and that while i was up there spending more time in norfolk than before ever before really especially the that bit of the coast i thought this really would be an amazing setting for a ghost story and I'm sure I'm not the first person to think that because um I don't know if you've heard of M.R. James but um really famous ghost story writer and he wrote loads of stories uh, um set around there um so this um came to me as a thought and I then started researching sort of things about the folklore of the area and um sort of and other stories as well and I Okay, I also had in the back of my mind, and this is the, the key bit of inspiration, was a book that I read as a child called When Marnie Was There. And it's um, by, I never can remember her name, Jane G. Robinson. And I had this book when I was a little girl and it was basically a ghost story, but a really, it's quite a sweet ghost story. It is a book for children rather than a kind of scary book, I think. And it's rather lovely. It's about a, a little girl who goes to this, um, Norfolk coast 
um, village and meets a ghost. And I will, I'll stop there because the, I don't want to spoil it if anyone ever wants to read it. It's a beautiful book. It was made into a, um, an animated film as well by Studio Ghibli. He did, um, I don't know if you know. Um, uh, I've heard of them, but I don't know. Yeah, like Princess Mononoke and things like that. And right. uh, Totoro, it's very quite, quite well in Japanese. So they made a film of it as well. So I think it was in my head. And um, so I thought, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set a story in, um, um, in a house on the marsh, hence the name, the Marsh House. And, and just lots of other things. I had to research lots of other things, but the essential point was there was going to be um, somebody coming to this house in winter, because winter is much worse than summer. And it's set at a time of um, a really bad snowstorm. Um, in fact, it was, it was not just a snowstorm, it was 1962, 63 was the, one of the worst winters we've ever had. And it lasted for months. I, I only do the bit around Christmas. Um, and, and then, um, and, and it, it kind of creates this sense of extra isolation. It's already an isolated place. I make it even more isolated because I think that, you know, increases the peril. You want it to be um, more alarming and um, a little bit more, um, yeah, difficult for the character. So the character is Mallory and her daughter, Franny, and they've got a tricky relationship. They go to this house, and there's a reason why they go there, which I can tell you in a minute, but um, they, they go to this house at, for Christmas, just the two of them. And we don't, they don't know if the dad who, uh, you know, she's having a problem relationship, they don't know if he's gonna come or not. And they see some quite strange things and they discover something in the attic. And I think I can say what that is, can't I? Because I, I think, think so. it's said in the blurb, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's all right, really. Well, all we know, yeah, it does. So I can say this because I don't have spoilers. She finds um, a, um, a journal, really, of a teenage girl and she starts to read it. And the journal of the teenage girl tells, tells the other half of the story, essentially. So it's a dual, ti a dual timeline story. And the other sort of half of the story is is the journal and that's um, a really lonely girl called Rosemary and she's writing in the early 1930s so you have half 1930s half 1960s and I'll stop there <laughs> so there's a few things that I'm, I'm going to ask you about because uh, and you've, okay. you've just touched on on the marsh and and mm. the sort of the the coldness and the isolation of it yeah and what I, I when I was reading it and I couldn't work out why and I think I was I was being reminded of where the crawdads sing by Delia Owens which is insane because it's completely different in terms of setting and and even weather but I think yeah, actually completely. <laughs> completely the opposite but it was the same sort of um the, the description and it, it made me feel I had the same feeling yeah. as if I was in almost in the same marsh but at a so different funny. time with a different weather system. So and, I, and it's obviously not the same marsh, is it? Of no, course, it's, it's not. Uh, in the States, <laughs> isn't it? Now, yeah. that's a really interesting comparison because somebody said that my first book was like that. But, and, you know, I've got really? a confession. I've not read Where the Cordab Sing. I don't know why I haven't read it. There's no good reason. I need to go and read the book, don't I? Although maybe I don't because I'll write another marsh book or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, so maybe I, there are some overlaps with the style as well. Perhaps Possibly. it's that, and maybe it's just the there's something about a marsh that's really I can't make a comparison to cordes. You'd have to do that for me. <laughs> that with my book, I I actually did walk across it. So it's set up a real village called Stivki, and 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 the marshes there are salt marshes, and they are sort of pocked with these um, black. Um, nasty brackish um, sort of holes almost sort of um, and then there's little bridges crossing over these dikes and things like that um, it's very very it's really big it's really flat you can't always tell that Norfolk is very flat but this is particularly <laughs> flat because it's below sea level more or less um, and you've got the sky merging with the sea merging with the marsh and at different times of the year, I mean, actually in the summer, and I hope I get that across a little bit in some of the bits with Rosemary, because it's not just the winter for her, it's the summer as well. It's beautiful because it um, suddenly becomes purple with the marsh lavender and things like that. It's really gorgeous. But in the winter, it's extraordinarily bleak. And then you get mists, fog, and in my book, snow. Um, and I think there's something very uncanny about a place like that because yeah. those places are really they're quite dangerous as well they're literally yeah. dangerous because the tides can come in and cut you off um you don't know which way is home which way is the sea because you can't tell because of the fog or the sea mist i suppose um so yeah interesting well, it i find really, it very I mean, very inspiring it was really evocative and it, you know it felt and it, you could tell that you had obviously spent some time in marshes yeah. um, because it felt very real. <laughs> well, I wrote it and then I, I'd already written it and then I went up and spent some time there and added quite a lot, actually, because um, it, you do need to actually go and stomp through and, and see it. And I had been before, but you need it. Yeah, it's one of those places you need to spend some time in, I think, to, to, to do it justice, really. You, men you mentioned that the village is real. Uh, yes. is, is is there really a marsh house? Was there one that you based it on? Or is no, it... uh, good question. Um, well, there is a house that I saw that I read about. I shouldn't, I don't want to say the house, but it, I did base it a little bit on a house that I know does exist, but not in that location. So that location is sort of a real location, really. I find it really helpful when writing to have a particular place so I can kind of authentically describe where something is and what's there and so all kind of nearly ev everything I describe is really there but I've moved the house <laughs> <laughs> to be there and there's another house isn't there there's a cottage yeah. opposite and that's made up too but again I sort of based it on things that are real if that makes sense but you know I think it's okay to move things around a little bit as long as you are being true to the place and what is more or less there I think so yeah but walking around there and actually doing the walks into the village and along the marsh because you can walk along the marsh as well I did all of that and I think you really need to do that to to get a feel for the place yeah yeah a really isolated sort of place as well. Now you've mentioned already that there's this, this is dual timeline you've got Mallory in the 60s and you've got Rosemary in the 30s 
you've also yes. got this sort of potential ghost story you've got a love story with rosemary and then mm. there's a lot going on but then also sort of in the background as well and this is kind of what was interesting me you've got a lot about fascism in the in the 1930s yeah i found what made it you almost... put that in it's a really good question, isn't it? Well, actually, there, there is a factual basis for all of that as well. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, we all know, don't we, that in the 30s, there was a, a build-up of, um, it was quite a lot of people became quite um, um, seduced, I think, by the idea of fascism. It was, a, there was, it was a very strange time, again, in between two wars, and a lot of people wanted to avoid another war. Um, understandably, really, because the First World War had been so awful. And I think that fascism was quite appealing to a lot of people because they thought that it was a sort of strong new way. And I and actually it was um, there were a few people in Norfolk um, who were quite attracted by it. And um, I'd read about them and I'd read about some um, uh, some rallies that the British Union of Fascists had had in Norfolk specifically. They had them all over. They had them in, in uh, London as well. Actually, London quite famously. Um, but um, they did have some in Norfolk. And I, and I thought, well, you know, this is true. This really was a backdrop. And I think, you know, it makes, um, it just gives a richer level to um, what's happening with Rosemary. Because she's um, also, at the time, there was a kind of, uh, idealization of rural life and rural people which is ironic really because um rosemary's kind of attracted by them for the fact that they aren't what she's like um and yet um and they like her because of who she is and that the two things are quite dangerous i think she's she's attracted by them because they're cosmopolitan and city people but they want her to stay innocent and kind of image of British um, country girl, country She's diving. almost like so a novelty I, to them, isn't she? Yeah, right, exactly, she is. That's the whole idea. She's like a pet, yes. almost, <laughs> yeah. And and I think I was kind of interested in exploring that. It's a very, a sort of very um, dysfunctional, quite un, unhappy um, story, really, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, and it's what happens because of that, that, yeah. I was quite interested in exploring um yeah and then there's another sort of another kind of side of that I suppose is that the Mallory in the 60s is um has also her and a difficult relationship with um her partner who her husband actually who's we don't see but you know it that's another backdrop so there's mirrors between the two characters there's quite a few actually overlaps between the two characters which I was really interested in and I think 30 years yeah but that's it I mean it's it's strange when you know when you think about it and it's only 30 years apart because actually they feel lifetimes apart because obviously yeah. so much changed after the second world war yeah exactly and huge and the 60s I mean actually she hasn't even got to the bit of the 60s that <laughs> really you know exploded so you know five years later even even more different but I think that if you think about the 20th century, which is why I like writing about it, the pace of change was extraordinary. So, you know, 30s to the 60s. Well, 30 years later is the 90s. I mean, yeah. <laughs> whole nother world again. You know, that's my childhood or teenage years. So, you know, you know it's incredible. To me. And then, of course, you go in another 30 years and it's now-ish. And 
again completely crazily different That's so I, <laughs> it's that isn't it isn't it so i i find it, it is a, astonishing actually the difference between the 30s and 60s actually i think but i think in some pockets and that's again something that really interested me the idea that in some rural places actually a lot of things didn't change some things in the world have really really changed but some things really were the same and were carrying on from centuries of tradition so i write quite a lot about older traditions that um I think in cities probably were disappearing and in even in some rural places disappearing but I think it's some pockets of isolated communities in places like um I don't know Norfolk or Cumbria or some somewhere somewhere like that they were persisting really um kind of you know folk traditions and beliefs and superstition and that sort of thing so, so yeah when I'm, you were I'm writing when you were writing this and you, you you had the two time frames and you had sort of mm. the uh, sort of especially Rosemary's one, which was going over a longer period of time. Yes. Did you did you find it difficult to plan? Did you have a very rigid framework that you stuck to or did things surprise you as you went along? Oh, gosh. Well, I had to write. I actually mostly tend to write in order that I'm going, if you know what I mean. So I, I, I didn't write just Rosemary's and just Mallory's separately I wrote them in order and the part of the reason for doing that is because that's how the reader is going to read them um I mean actually that is you know nothing that you write in a, a one draft anyway will end up being the final book no way but even so to write it that way felt really uh, important to me um although it's really then of course very difficult to get the, the voices are completely different voices but I helped myself with that by one is first person and one is third person and that helped get into the role I think of it's like acting really getting into the role of the character but yeah loads of things surprised me I had to change um yeah some of the the rhythm had to be balanced that's the thing with the dual timeline I did find that quite interesting because I hadn't written that before um not as a published novel anyway and I have written it before but not 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 in a book that that ended up being published and so I had to really remind myself how to do that and um yeah you need and then I had to work very much on the intersections if you know what I mean like where you stop one and where you start the next so actually some of that was moved around yes because it has to work you can't give too much information in one section before the or sometimes you can but you have to be careful about what you're when you're giving the information if that makes sense complicated makes total sense yes (laughs) I drew a few I drew a few um diagrams actually I just found them today and I ended I was laughing at myself so I was like oh there's different colored pens and (laughs) yeah so yes I did a lot of sort of um some of it some of it was not at the beginning it was halfway through or you know later on even you know right doing the diagrams and doing the uh tables of contents and things like that I had to do later really to make sure that it worked and yeah and then of course I have other people telling me what's not working. <laughs> oh uh, yeah now one thing I always like to ask my guests because I think it gives us a bit of an insight is uh 
Uh, is there a book that you've been reading recently that you would recommend to, to for us to read? Well, it's really yes, definitely. I, I, it's probably a bit of a boring one to to mention because I think a lot of people read it. But I just, I'm very late to this. But I've just read Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Have you read it? It's Do you know one... what I was about to say? I'm going to be even. I haven't read it because no. uh, so I, I've I been would on my list. Right. So I remember when it came out thinking that sounds quite interesting. That sounds good. And it got really well. It was really well received. But, you know, like books come and go and you forget, don't you? And yeah. you, for some reason, I didn't read it at the time. And then the pandemic came. Loads of people were reading it then, of course, because it predicts. Well, it doesn't predict, but it, it, the book is based on a pandemic, which is fairly alarming. And everyone, oh, she's told the future. And it's a, it's a virus kind of pandemic. So you're like, oh my goodness. I didn't read it then because I thought, I don't want to read about a pandemic when I'm in a pandemic. And I think a lot of people had the same response. People did reread it, but lots of people did not. Um, but then recently, I don't, can't remember why. Oh, I know why, because it's going to be on telly. And I thought, oh, if I can get to it, I've got to read the book. Um, and I'm actually not going to watch it on telly because I have no idea how to get hold of it. But the book is amazing. The book is beautifully written and um, really one of those books that you speed through, you know, mm -hmm. you're reading it really quickly. And I do quite like a kind of, I don't know if it, I do like a speculative fiction book, actually. Yeah, I'm quite interested. I don't know if I'll ever write one because I tend to write historical fiction or a mixture of genre, actually, but not, not in the future ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I did really love it. So, yeah, and I think it's safe to read it now, I think. Well, that's so I was going to ask, did you yes. find reading it now, did, did it ring any bells with what we've gone yes. through or were there bits that were just like, oh, yeah, God, although, that didn't happen? <laughs> well, no, it's much more the latter. It's much, much more drastic and it's much worse. I know, and, and that sound, I say that knowing that it was bad for a lot of people and awful for a lot of people. Um, no, the, it's it's catastrophic the um, the pandemic in 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 that in that book. So it's a it's a I mean that makes some sense, doesn't it? She's writing. She was writing without the pandemic having happened, and she wanted to make the 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 maximum, you know, because the world has to change. The world changes huge, and it's actually. But the thing about the book that's so nice to read, it's quite a hopeful book. It's not gory particularly, or you know, you it's not. It, it's not like reading some dystopian books where, oh, you know, it's really depressing. It's actually quite hopeful. So, yeah, it's a rather beautiful book, actually. It's about a bunch of Shakespearean actors, you know, um, going around uh, Canada post the apocalypse. It's rather lovely, isn't it? You know, so, yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's a, a great bit book. of hope, yeah. But even yeah, in that does. world, there's still there's yeah. still theatre and there's still art. Still theatre, and there's people who carry around comic books as a kind of precious thing, and people reading because wow. this book survived. So there you go. Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So this might just be then the push that I need because it's been yeah. sort of hanging around. I thought I must get to that. So the, it's a, it's not a, a difficult read either. It's a it's a, it's 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 a fairly you know it's um that the characterization is great. Um, no, I loved it. I really loved it. Yeah, great book. I'm going to read other of her books. I think some of her other books can be really quite strange, like um, different, um, not just different. Uh, not, um, oh, what is it? Different world theories, um, yeah. parallel worlds, and all that. Wow. <laughs> uh, why not? 
I do quite I do read wide different genre I like reading historical fiction but I like yeah loads of stuff but you're only good do you think you'll only ever write in historical fiction all my ideas so far because I just think there's so much in it uh you know and I I I look to other people to write now and I look to other people to write the future I I think the past still has a lot to tell us about ourselves um I'm just I've always loved history as well so I I love the research I well I don't spend I don't spend my own years doing it but I really enjoy it so so why not Now's a good time then to ask. Obviously, we've got uh, the Marsh House out now, coming out in paperback at the end of the year. But what's next? What is book three? Oh, gosh. Well, book three um, has yet to go to an editor. So, you know, (laughs) who knows? I can't give you a title because that has not been fixed for certain. But it's actually, um, it's about spiritualism. So it's about the belief in life after death. Not... uh, or the, the spirits after the death, not life, yeah. um, but uh, that the, some kind of something persists and that we can contact them. And this is something that yeah, people still believe now, but they really, there was a resurgence in it in the 1920s after the First World War, for obvious reasons, I think, that people wanted to contact, um, uh, you know, the huge amount of um, people who had died and um, you know whole generations had gone hadn't they and so I it starts in 1922 and it's about how um, you know those beliefs and why why you know, they were around then but actually it then becomes a missing person story um, and it's about how people cope with um, grief and loss and you know in their in their very different ways so it goes from the 1920s to the 1940s so yeah it's quite um yeah it's quite intense it's about a family on um on the coast of Norfolk and it's half told by the servant and half by uh, the parents of the missing girl okay yeah so so not a split timeline but a split narrative this time split narrative again um at the moment it's as i said starting in the 1920s and i go all the way up to beyond the second world war so it's a really long period of time it's over 20 years and um that's been a real challenge because most of the books i've done so far have been um quite tight time frame um so it's 1962 just at the beginning of 1963 really in um and then i Rosemary's is a bit longer, um, but never this long. So this is, yeah, it's a huge chunk of time. So part of what the novel's about is, yeah, the changes in society between the 20s and the and post-Second World War, which I'm fascinated by. I find that period of history just extraordinary, really. Yeah, it, Between the wars. You said that it hasn't seen an editor yet, but have you finished no. your first draft or are you just yes, still getting Yes, yes, I'm, I'm sort of doing the second draft really. Um, it's been, um, it's going to go to my agent again soon. So yeah, it's very scary because um, yeah, she has to give it the go ahead and, and then we'll see. 
Oh, well, best, best of luck with it. I'm sure it'll be great. And I'm sure that the Marsh House will also be very well received because I've I've read it and I've loved it. Um, so I, I'm sure Wonderful. lots of people will yeah. as well. Thank you very I'm much for joining me. Thank you. So that is The Marsh House by Zoe Somerville and it is available to order right now at burtsbooks.co.uk if that little chat with Zoe has whetted your appetite. It's a perfect spooky read. I read it whilst uh, sort of Storm Eunice was blowing a gale outside and uh, it was really quite atmospheric. So do go and check it out. I will be back very soon to tell you about another book that I have read, but in the meantime, if you would like to get in contact, please do email me at bert at bertsbooks.co.uk or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bertsbooks. Please also rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, that way you will never miss an episode. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to head off to the office and start packing up some books. So I will speak to you all very, very soon. Keep reading.